0: Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary.
1: I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody And I make the beat Don't know where it'll take me, take me Cause when I'm in the dark of night I sing my way back to the light Come along with me and your heart will see That a song changes everything Oh Oh Everyone to Arts for the Health of It. I'm I am your
0: host, Richard Wilmore. I'm your co-host, Constanza Rader. And today we had the wonderful honor and pleasure of talking to Anne S. Graham. And she is the executive director for Texans for the Arts, which is an advocacy organization here in Texas. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're at least, it, probably at least interested in the arts, if not passionate about arts accessibility um, and promoting the arts more in our uh, our communities and our country. Um, and we're we're really passionate about expanding the reach of not just arts and health, but arts accessibility as a whole. And Anne is here talking about really how to advocate for the arts in your community. She talks some specifics about Texas, but there's information that's relatable wherever wherever you are and what do what do we think that central that central message is Richard
1: I'm gonna guess it's what she said which is every voice matters yes you know every voice matters and it doesn't have to be uh you don't have to know how to get into the capital of whatever state you're in because sometimes it's very overwhelming because you think Mm. you know and I and I feel like we're what 20 some episodes into this podcast. And if you've listened to all of them, you're like, all right, I love this. I'm on board, but how do I get do it I out do? there? Yep. And that's why we brought Anne in to talk about how you do that in your community in your state. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause it's very important. And it's, if you're here, it's because you also believe that that's how it should be. So.
0: And I will say that, you know, I've, um, worked with Texans for the arts on advocating for um, certain pieces of legislator and also advocating against certain pieces of legislation Um, as kind of a private citizen. i worked with them and I went from like, okay, I don't know how to talk to my representative to like having private meetings with um, council people and going to the Capitol and providing testimony. And I think the great thing about getting connected with your state arts advocacy organization, wherever you are, is generally they have tools and they train you how to do it. And you can kind of like buddy up with someone and watch them do it. And then you're like, oh, that's all it is. Okay. That's not a big deal. I can do that.
1: Yeah. Cause it sounds overwhelming. I have to go It talk sounds so to intimidating, you, like, right? Yes. Like
0: go to the Capitol building and like, yeah, no, yeah. and do
1: <laughs> yeah. And ju- not just tour it and take photos to put on my Instagram. <laughs> like I have to talk to someone. I don't know how I feel about that. But it's actually a lot easier than you think.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to tell everybody about Anne S. Graham. She says she whistled before she talked, but her mother reminded her that once she started talking, she began speaking up to make the world a better place. After a 25-year career in the arts, culture, and creativity sector, arts festival producer, public art administrator, nonprofit leader, municipal arts planner, and more – and took on the executive director of Texans for the Arts Texas's statewide arts advocacy organization powered by its members arts organizations individual artists citizens arts le- citizen arts leaders businesses Texans for the Arts seeks to secure protect and grow the public investment in the arts and ensure that the arts culture and creativity sector have a voice at the political fiscal and social justice tables of our democracy mm. seems easy right uh and she's that's, not busy
0: at all well,
1: no that's why she's here breaking it down for everyone for us and uh, making it accessible we she loves to chat and we love to chat with her so we didn't get a chance to take a break and take a breath so we're going to take a break because we have a couple fun people we want to introduce you to on our commercials and then we'll be back with Anne
2: s Graham. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us, and it affects our everyday lives, whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment business, and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast, or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music.
0: Uh, Anne Graham, I'm Anne S. Graham. We're so excited to talk with you today. Um, You're the executive director of Texans
2: for the Arts, and you're here to talk
0: about arts advocacy, and we're so excited to have you.
2: Good. I am delighted to be here, and we met years ago, and this is sort of the the next step of working together, and I'm really excited and honored that you invited me to speak today, or to to have a conversation. I'm not here to give a speech. Uh,
1: You can. Um, We can do your TED Talk right now if you'd like. Um, (laughs) And go. (laughs) Uh, How did you two meet? Where did you meet?
2: We met at, well, and both of us can chime in here, at the National Organization for Arts and Health. Their first annual conference was here in Austin. And it's actually kind of one of the questions you asked me on my sort of introductory survey was interesting. And that was like, how did you first come to be aware of this field of arts and health? And I was actually at Americans for the Arts Conference their annual convention in Boston, who now when four five, six years ago, and I had lived in Boston for 12 years, so I was very well apprised. And my husband did his graduate work or his postgraduate work at, at the medical school at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So I was very familiar with the medical establishment as well. Um, but I hadn't really put the two together. One of the options on the, at the convention was to take a field trip in the afternoon to get to know something else about what's happening in the arts in Boston. And so I took one that was called the Arts and Health Trip. And we went to Brigham and Women's, we went to Boston Children's and um, very interesting. We looked at everything from practice to the studios, to murals, to tactile work, to music therapy work. So this big kind of spectrum of art services, both in children as well as in adult um, hospitals. This was a very clinical setting. And I ex- just grabbed some business cards. We were all changing business cards. So, sort of, you know, stick your business cards and you think you'll never see them again. Lo and behold, I got news that NOAA was going to be, NOAA was being born. NOAA is a fairly new organization. It's only been around actually since that first conference, um, again, three or so years ago. And I pulled out those business cards. And lo and behold, if those weren't some of the same people who are now some of the original founders of NOAA. And they, from the beginning, and I'm here a, a real strong proponent of the work of Noah. from the beginning understood the opportunity to bring facts, research-based, um, clinical-based, uh, very sophisticated, academic, but also it's a very humane and human approach to looking at this field of arts and Arts, sometimes it's arts and health. Sometimes it's arts in health. Mm-hmm. We say arts and education or arts in education. So sometimes it's a partnership and sometimes it's an overlapping. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fun that it came around full circle. And that's where I met you um, and, you know, got to know the initial work that you are doing and met so many people. Um, they have subsequently their second conference was also in Austin Then I think they went to Boston and then they got stuck virtual because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, continue to do this really important work that marries. And we do this in all the fields in the arts that we're working, where we're marrying academic, research, data-driven, that's often what moves and motivates an elected official, um, to the human stories that really pack the most powerful emotional punch as to why this work is so important. Mm. anything in terms of how we met?
0: Yeah, no, that it was, uh, yeah, we've met at that first NOAA conference in 2016. And then we've gotten to um, work together on piece of advocating for a piece of legislation. (laughs) And um, I just love the work that Texans for the Art does. And we are members of Texans for the Art. So because we really, we really understand the importance of our, our state, arts advocacy groups they're they're really important yeah
1: what um is texans for the arts and and when did you get involved and how did you get involved and i also just realized while you were talking i didn't realize noah was so new i like shout out to noah and their conference because i it was a very i've only done one in person one in boston and i was like this i thought it was around for decades because it's very well run. So kudos, Noah.
2: Good job, Noah. (laughs) No, good job, Noah. As I said, they didn't start fledgling. They started with a wow. They started with a really strong foundation and they just did it right from the very beginning. And that's an admirable nonprofit to look at in terms of a service organization because service organizations like our own, they're a challenge really to get people to understand the work that you do. So Texans for the Arts is the statewide arts advocacy organization. We are a 501C4, which enables us to be a lobbying organization. So we actually have a lobbyist under contract. And having a lobbyist is a very important mix in advocacy. We've got grassroots, uh, we've got grass tops, which is kind of like elected officials and boards of directors and kind of who knows whom in the larger um, upper sphere of politics. And then we have, um, we have a lobbyist and a lobbyist is somebody who's well versed in how government practice runs, how bills are passed. There's certain specialists. Lobbyists may be bill specialists. They may be appropriation specialists. Our focus with our lobbyist, Shannon Gangurti, who's an amazing part of our team, is around appropriations, so trying to secure more public investment in the arts, primarily focused at the state level, so our state legislature. So we have Texans for the Arts. We also have Texans for the Arts Foundation, and Texans for the Arts Foundation is our 501c3. That was formed about 10 years ago or, or started about 10 years after Texans for the Arts, um, when it was needed, it was evident we needed to, one, sort of complement the two organizations and have Texans for the Arts Foundation, which is actually not a foundation in the giving sense. Uh, it's our education and advocacy platform. So it's our grant funded. It's where we can get tax deductible contributions from individuals. And it sort of drives our communication strategies, our newsletter, our regional meeting series. Every Wednesday from 4 to 4.15, we do a Facebook Live kind of advocacy update. Um, in fact, we should invite you. We will. We'll invite you to join us at one of our weekly advocacy. Want to be there. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Just to talk about whatever's happening in the legislature, what's happening in the field. So, but I sort of probably spend most of my life with TFA, um, the, the the 501c4. The mission being to secure, protect, and grow the public investment in the arts, and to ensure that the arts are part of the civic dialogue. Um, public investment in the arts is really about. What, this is what we deal with at the state legislature. It's what you could be dealing with at, um, you know, in, in school AISDs. It could be what you're dealing with when you're dealing with, you know, funders of a nonprofit sector that around arts and health. But um, the, the c Four, meaning the the advocacy realm, is where we are doing our, you know, meeting with legislators, asking them to take specific action, um, really trying to ensure that they understand why investing public money is so important and why public as opposed to private. Certainly private philanthropy is an important part of the mix. Earned income is an important part of the mix if you're performing arts or if you're a clinical organization and you charge fees. I mean, there's different ways that earned income happens. But what's so important and often, which is the hookup, I've never met a legislator who didn't appreciate the arts, didn't find some connection to the arts. But there's oftentimes legislators who don't think it's the public role to invest in the arts. And we can test that um, really to sort of say from an equity perspective and from an equitable perspective and for reach across the very big state of Texas or whatever state you're in, is that they're in in the. The only way you sort of mandate public access and really trying to make a difference all across this very big state is with the public role. Private philanthropy is going to be more evident in larger cities. It's going to be more accessible. There's going to be more of it. You're going to have a larger population pool, whereas public really not only does it reach into our more of our, all of our Senate districts, more of our House districts you know, across our municipalities and our counties, it's really important that then to just make sure that those dollars get there. And again, there is no one else that really sort of mandates that. And also public money helps leverage a different, excuse me, other resources, additional resources. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes grants are have to be matched. So you have to go out and fundraise. But more importantly, sort of like public is like a good housekeeping seal of approval. You get a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, from the Texas Commission on the Arts, from your local arts organization or arts agency that distributes hotel tax, um, which are those are the three kind of primary largest mm-hmm. sources of public funding for the arts in the state of Texas. So it's it's important that those things with that good housekeeping housekeeping seal of approval, you can go to other funders. You can go, you know, in your own community to say, say, look, look at how good we are. Getting these grants is not easy. You have to have a history of good work, you have to have a history of longevity, you have to have a minimum budget size. We're doing good work. You know, will you help us match these dollars? So public is really important. Um, and, and so that's, that's again, the realm that we're spending in the legislative process. I just celebrated my eighth anniversary of being with Texans for the arts on August 1st.
0: Congratulations.
2: Yeah. It kind of went by. Um, I was asked to take this position over. I had some peers, actually, they're still on the board some peers and friends who are on the board. Um, and there was an opportunity to reshift the organization and I accepted the position and, The rest is history. Um, I had not grown up in the state arena in advocating. We have lived in Texas for 25 years now. Mm. Um, I grew up sort of, I don't know, according to my parents, making a lot of noise at a very early age um, with a science background, in fact. And in fact, way back at the very, 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 very first Earth Day, which dates me, I started an ecology club at my junior high school. And um, we started recycling paper, recycling plastic, um, doing trash pickups, um, making cloth lunch bags that we then sold for a dollar a piece. I still have some of these Wow! um, just to get people to start using not disposables um, for bags. And, yeah, I never really thought I never actually i never testified when I was in middle school. I, I never took it to the legislative thing, but I certainly was inspired to make a difference. And. Um, That was in the science field. Eventually, with a master's in arts administration, I morphed into the arts, um, but still brought along that passion. And before I had this job, I was doing a lot of advocacy here in the city of Austin with our cultural contracts, with, you know, cultural planning process, uh, consulting with a lot of the nonprofit organizations here. So um, longstanding arts activist here in the city of Austin now uh, certainly, way up at the state level consistently. Um, I, my first session was in the tw- it was, um, 2015, 2015, 17, 19. So, this is now my just completed my fourth session. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the specials, and we will be back definitely very active in the, um, one of the special sessions that will f- come later in the fall around the ARP or the American Rescue Plan federal dollars. Mm -hmm. So at the state level, we're very much involved in protecting the hotel occupancy tax, which is the largest source of arts funding, which of course just got decimated in the Mm -hmm. pandemic, slowly rebuilding as people start to travel again, Um, And then working to grow the Texas Commission on the Arts, which is our state agency. Every state, almost every state has a state arts agency, largely funded, uh, some funding, actually about $1 million of the TCA's budget is federal National Endowment for the Arts money. Um, The rest is an appropriation through the Texas legislature. And we were successful this last session in um, re-securing a $10 million appropriation to the Cultural District Grant Program. Mm -hmm. So that's been a real focus of us. The Texas Commission on the Arts base funding funds something called Art Respond. And one of the five categories in Arts Respond is, is health, health and human services. Mm-hmm. So nonprofit organizations who focus their work in, in arts and health can apply for funding to the TCA with a specificity in, in health and in health and human services. And you do see a lot of projects being funded and a lot of nonprofits being funded in that, which is exciting. We just need to secure more money in the state. <laughs> Texas is around 40, I'm trying to remember, 41st in the United States for funding for the arts at around 35 cents per capita. We okay. have 29 million people. Some states are trying to get it to, um, you know, up to the, a dollar per, that would take us up to 29 million. So we are woefully underfunded and yet working around the clock to hmm. increase that funding Um, certainly there's a funding cycle, right? It's done now. The legislature adopted the budget. They have to adopt a budget um, by constitutional, uh, right? By the last day of the session, that passed, that signed, that has nothing to do with the special sessions right now, which are all around sort of voter, voter, the voter issues. So um, again, we're, we're in the trenches at the federal level. Now that we've been involved in the pandemic, um, very, very engaged in trying to, with our national peers, I chaired the Americans for the Arts State Arts Action Network for two years, trying to help lead the state voice in federal money because what we've learned and what we all know in terms of the pandemic is that the u.s government is the only one who can print money we all need it and we need it in uh, vast amounts just because of how hard we've all been hit from you know, employment mm-hmm. you know jobs health everything that has been compromised because of the pandemic so that's why here now feet on the ground, boots on the ground here. We're trying to work with municipalities to secure some of the local ARP money. And now we'll be submitting working with our partner organizations, uh, submitting a request to the state to secure state funding in the fall at one of the special sessions. So there's There's a lot there's, going on. There's all there's a lot going on and there's no like nobody's making jigsaw puzzles, nobody's baking bread, um, I wish. Mm-hmm. Uh but and it's not just the arts. I mean, anybody in the social service sector, you know, that's that is well, in the nonprofit sector, we're all do-gooders and doing what we can and not getting a lot of sleep, um, but you know, committed to the work we do, as are you. I mean, you know, the field that that you're in right now is just so vital. And the experiences that you provide for patients and families is just. You know, so commendable. And I'm sure you guys aren't resting right now either.
0: Well, it continues to be a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to frame up the conversation a little bit um, as we go forward. Because, mm-hmm. you know, our vision is that everyone has access to arts and health services. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about arts accessibility. Um, so I would love to hear, um, you know, arts isn't just important for hospitals like what we do but also for community health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so I I wonder if you could first talk about maybe some of the the data around the impact that the arts make kind of holistically on community wellness um and then what are specific steps that listeners can take to advocate for the arts um in their communities.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of when I when I think of when I think of arts and health, right, I don't necessarily, I, mean, I'm, don't, I don't compartmentalize it in, you know, the institutions of hospitals and clinics. Right. Um, clearly, there is a role there. Clearly, you know, that that is where a lot of the data is being collected, right? I mean, in terms of the actual services being provided, looking at things like reduction in hospital, the stay, how long you will in a hospital for certain treatments, the reduction in depression, that having access to music therapy or arts therapy exists in the clinical settings, um, looking at arts in the military and healthcare, some of the larger impacts around PTSD, um, and, and looking at reduced prescriptions, uh, pain relief, lots of things. So there's there's that kind of body of work which is clinical. And it's not just music therapy, it's visual art therapy and writing therapy and um, the abundance of art forms that exist. we were also involved two sessions ago with securing an additional two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the TCA that was expressly for arts in the military. Mm. And many of those projects that were funded, actually most of them were funded, were either on you know on military bases or here, um, you know, in the nonprofit sector in communities to provide opportunities around you know writing workshops and um, painting workshops and you know so so we were definitely securing funds. To access those unique dollars that are now part of the base funding, which is exciting, and those programs continue to be funded. Um, and then there's the there's the nonprofit sector that you know is really interested in just, as you said, sort of raising community health. When I think about the pandemic, some of the very very first images that come to mind, or the ones that really resonate and still give me goosebumps, are you know the very first ones of the the Italians singing on the balconies to each mm-hmm. other this moment of sheer isolation. You were quarantined in your small space, but you had a balcony and there you were on the balcony singing in exchange with community. Um, I think of the image of Yo-Yo Ma that went viral when he was playing, brought his cello to get his vaccine. And while he was waiting for his 10 to 15 minutes before he could leave, got out his cello and serenaded, um, individuals who are waiting along with him and as a as a cellist uh, and a deep admirer of yo yo ma and his his humanity and his approach to music and life um, again, those are just these kind of visual images of of the power of music to make change. There are a lot of other organizations that work in the health realm um, and, and i don 't actually have all the data at my fingertips other than some of the more clinical ones but um i mean you there's a lot of projects that engage um you know youth and families in Um, that are in residential areas. They could be sort of like part of creative placemaking projects where health is brought in as a strong component and engaging citizens with um, access, again, to the arts as part of, you know, some sort of healing that's in a wounded community. We think about, you know, look at the the equity issues that we've been dealing, the discrimination issues, the um, Black Lives Matter issue. We're looking at the role that arts play as we try to address larger societal ills. Um, and how some of that art making, you know, brings a community together, how uh, sometimes in murals, you think of the, the the practice of getting communities involved in making murals around uh, healing. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually working in the field, probably better apprised than I am um, in my sort of global mm-hmm. uh, try to look at at the arts, but Um, The work that you all do, you know, making arts accessible to a broader community in in different settings, I think is is really important. And that takes resources to be able to do that. And again, at the public realm, you've got private philanthropy, you've got earned income, you have these different streams. And um, with our focus on the public investment, you know, we're. The thing that really interests me is we tend to focus, many of us across the country in these organizations that are advocacy organizations, we tend to focus on appropriations, you know, money coming to the arts agency and the arts commission. And we will continue. That's going to be the mainstay of our work. But at the same time, um, you know, there are there are there are other realms that the TCA, you know, which which is the very first thing in the budget. There, I like to look at what are some of the other agencies that we could go and approach. And obviously, in Texas, it would be Health and Human Services. Mm. How might we explore? And we did this during the when we were looking for veterans' resources. Was was you know going to the Veterans Commission? Um, how might we explore other agencies contributing or appropriating funds to the arts sector? Mm. And the reason I find this really important, not just because there are resources to be had there, because it breaks down the silo that the arts funding happens in this agency and this Mm. agency alone. I would love to see a line item in health and human services for arts work here. Same thing goes for arts and the justice system, arts and the housing initiatives, arts and education to break down this barrier that it's like, Oh, the arts are what you fund when you have extra Um, you know, the arts is, you you don't, you don't need public money for those arts. And Mm -hmm. so that is something when we were going after, again, the arts and the military money, that was the first time we actually had sort of branched out to a different commission and testified in front of that and had a music therapist who was part of the Creative Forces, the National Initiative up at Fort Hood, who spoke eloquently to the work that she did. Um, I'd still like to pursue that. I'd like to pursue going to these other agencies and really... Awakening them to the fact that you know some of them are already working. I mean, the, there's some uh, mental health programs with with health and human services that they that, that do integrate like the visual arts. And there's a competition for uh, an annual competition based on different ages, and they create a calendar and they distribute that. And there's there you know they have um, exhibitions and shows, and so they're knowledgeable about this. But I would love to see. I'd love to see pockets of arts funding in all of these agencies. And then I'd love to see those agencies coming together in the same room Mm. to see why this overlap is so important, Mm. Um, you know, and to get arts and health and arts and military and arts and housing all together in the same room and just saying the arts is vital to be at the table. Mm. It's not just, it's not just when you have extra money, it's the arts can help move the needle on the intensity of the experience and the opportunity um the arts can help i don't want to say the arts can help you save money the arts can help you save money i mean the yeah. art and that's not that we're not in it for that but the arts certainly we, we we know that data um we know how arts makes kids want to go to school more right? right when your kids are in school more one your school district is getting more money from the state two your student wants to be there that which is, means they're learning they're yeah. present so you know trying to I- show that. all of those things.
0: I, just to share like a little micro, um, like some an example on the micro level of how this might work. Um, I think I may have shared this on a different episode, but um, so many times the main type of patients that are being referred to us in the hospital are patients who are belligerent, who are not being compliant with um, treatment or with their caregivers. Who aren't willing to take a shower? Um, so, like, I'll use. So there was there was one man that um, wasn't wanting to take a shower, which is really important when you're in the hospital to to prevent infection and all of this stuff. And he'd kicked all of his nurses out of his room. So the nurses, when they when it was our time to be there, they came and found us immediately. Like, can you please go play for this patient? And we went in and played music and had a great time. And When the, when the nurse went back in, he consented to taking a shower and like it shifted his whole day. So here you have someone who's in, in a state of the art facility that has all of the resources that has all of the top, like the best medicine, the best care. But if we're not tending to the humanity in people, they can't make good decisions for themselves we, people need to feel safe and seen and loved and heard. Mm -hmm. And what more powerful way do we have to do that than through the arts? Um, so we think of this as this fringe thing, but really there's something that's so central. Um, one of, another one of my patients used to say that music is the internal combustion engine for motivation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that was his, his motivation. Um, anyway, I just thought that example came to my head and that happens like not just on that individual level, but, um, on a, on a societal level as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so like, let's say there's people that are listening that are okay. I really, this is great. Yes. Everyone needs access to the arts. What can I do to help? How can they get involved? Give me the nitty gritty. So
2: from a fundamental level um, we have to get, make sure that our story is being told. I mean, the story that you just tell and I, we meet with a lot of legislators and very often they'll you sort of, you give them all the numbers, you give them all the facts and figures, you save money here, you do this, you do all this. Um, And then somebody tells a story about the work that they did and the impact on this one patient who wouldn't take a shower or You know, some of the stories that are coming out of the COVID work that's happening and, you know, trying to record patients, um, heartbeats to share with a family as they are losing their life. I mean, there's just like all sorts of emotional things. You tell some of these stories and I mean, I get goosebumps but that's what legislators remember. So let, if we're talking right now primarily around appropriate funding and, and policy change at the state, but it could be municipal, it could be county, depends on who your funders are. Well, the most important things you can do is get to know who your legislators are because they're going to be decision makers in your life and they report to you. You are their constituent. You elect them. Um, it's really important for our work to be able to say, or my lobbyists often will say, do you know somebody in so-and-so's district? We need to reach that person because they either sit on a certain committee or there's something interesting happening or an organization in that district and we want to build a relationship with there. When you have a relationship with your elected official, be it Texas House of Representatives, the Texas Senate, um, and you can call their office, be recognized. Oh, it's the art. Somebody was like, oh, it's the arts lady. Um, that's okay. I'll take that. But, um, you know, that relationship is really important. And I like to now sort of be the go-to person if, if there's an arts issue that comes to my rep or my senator, they might call up and say, hey, Ann, this thing's across my desk. You know, what do you think of this? So that's, that's the apex of this relationship. But it's really important because when you establish a working relationship with your legislator and never think that your one voice doesn't matter your one voice matters you may be the only person coming into their office talking about the arts but they're going to remember that and they're going to know that there's value you want to build a trusting relationship with your legislator if you don't live in austin and you're in another community they have offices in your other communities right so get to know your legislator or get to know their staff um and and that's 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 the number one thing. The second thing is to know what it is you're asking for. Do you have a message? Is your message to please we're looking for more resources? Um we have this great program, we're interested in more money, um or, you know, this whole field, we're trying to get more money here, or we have a policy change? An example was during the last two legislative sessions, the reference that you made earlier to was House Bill 2473, which was the music therapy licensure bill. That was a classic example of trying to get legislative support and get enough legislators to support things, to move a bill through passage. And that was to, to, uh, talking about the importance of, I'm going off track here just a little bit, the importance of licensure, knowing the work that you do, you don't just walk into a patient's office and start making music and assume that you've got all the training that you need. Um, you, You need some standards for, you know, becoming a, being able to put up a shingle that says that you're a licensed therapist of whatever the ilk is. In this case, this particular bill was around music therapy.
1: But getting to know, so getting to know
2: your legislator is important, honing what your message is and building sort of partnerships around other people who are trying to pass the same legislation or pass the same bill or, you know, pass an appropriations to get more funding for the TCA, if that's if that's the agency that you're going through. Um, The other thing, yeah, building partnerships so that you're not just one voice, but the more of you in the room, the more of you raising the issue, the more important it is and that your message is aligned with each other and strengthened and there's not outliers that are distracting but that you actually come to a consensus this is what we're going after and you know the music therapy world that was working on this bill was doing everything right um, in terms of building a coalition of support, getting it moved through the different committees, going to hearings, etc. Ultimately, it ended up in the calendars committee, and it just never moved, which was a, happens by to thousands of bills, unfortunately. So they did everything right. That still doesn't mean your bill is going to pass. I've had bills that have not passed. You go back and you're going to try them again. Um, so and the other thing is, if you end up having a legislator who really is just not going to be interested in the public investment in the arts. We take to the elections, and you as a constituent have the opportunity and the power to try to influence elections. We do not endorse, uh, we don't endorse candidates, we're not asking you to endorse candidates, Um, but we have been involved in um, helping to sway the outcome of elections to pro-art supporters. Um, so it, it's that is part part of democracy. I think really the most important thing and you could flip what I've just said about get to know your elected official, you know, hone your message, build partnerships to um, vote, mm-hmm. uh, be involved in the, democ- the the democratic process and um, y- and use that as an opportunity, one to educate all of the candidates who are running for office around why the arts are important. And I'm saying arts now in the very broadest spectrum mm-hmm. um, and to get them to you know, pu- publicly sort of commit. You want you, you're, you know, we support doing surveys, you can do candidate forums. We've been involved in a lot of these and there's communities and, and groups of artists who do these around the state as well in their own communities. But what's really important is to show and to, to educate people who are running for office onto why this is so important, what kind of leadership you'll be looking for, you know, what kind of policy and appropriations you'll be looking for to, and, and to befriend them and to work side by side and keep them apprised of what's happening in the field. So and have them look smart and to be involved, because if you can elect enough elected officials who believe in the work that you're doing, then your attempt to influence policy, influence appropriations is going to be so much easier. So um, what you can also do in terms of trying to get the word out about what what you are doing in the as a field is once you know who your legislator is, follow them on their social media platforms. Um, when you visit them, take pictures and post it on social media. I was at the Capitol yesterday. With one of my board members, we were meeting um, with a representative who actually oversees a very important committee that oversees the Texas Commission on the Arts. Um, uh, representative Ken King in um, uh, up in the Canadian Texas area. And it was just really important to be able to talk about why the arts were so important. He shared stories about why the arts were important in in his life and he oversees the Cultural, Recreation and Tourism um, Commission. So just having these kind of one-on-one exchanges is really important to understand what their connection to the art world and help them see and and hear why the arts are so important to their family and therefore to their broader community. So follow them on social media, post things about them. If you have programs, invite them to your programs if you have the opportunity and you don't always in a clinical facility to take them, but if you have some kind of public, uh, you know, program that you can bring somebody to, um, you know, something that allows them to see the work or to participate in the work that you're doing. Uh, it's a little easier if you're, you know, doing a performing arts concert at a big hall than it is in, in the health in, in the health field. But if there are opportunities for them to, meet patients who've experienced positive outcomes or meet family members. Those things hit the heart because that's what you are doing is the heart work. Um, Hearts need arts, uh, literally. So um, other things are to, if the opportunity comes up, if they've provided leadership in the field is to give them an award and honor them at an event, um, give them the floor. They're always running for office, um, they're running for reelection and our Texas House of Representatives they are running every two years. They run before every session. So and I think they if there is a disconnect between somebody not understanding why this work is so important, is because they haven't had the opportunity to see it or experience it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll come back to the stories that you have, which are always just going to be the the most powerful things that you can share. Mm. So, you know, f- again, following them on social media, signing up for their newsletter, making sure that you send your newsletters to them. Um, do not think that your single voice or your single organization can't move the needle because it, it really can.
0: Mm. Good word, Anne.
2: And what's the last um,
1: creative thing you did for yourself?
2: I'd like to say that I dusted my cello off and tuned my instrument and got my bow out and made a little music. What is the most creative thing? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I think it's actually meeting. Isn't this 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 is a good reminder that I don't take enough time off. Right. And <laughs> let my hobbies go wayside. And I, I don't know, I get excited when I talk with legislators. So to me, maybe most, some of the more creative stuff I've just done is had conversations like this, mm. which really at the heart of it are all about creativity that we all have um, and that we can all muster up. Um, but it's a reminder that, you know, taking 30 minutes off and doing some kind of creative expression is good for the brain, it's good for the soul. Um, I need to obviously need to do it more often. This is pathetic that I can't <laughs> You're
0: you're not alone, Anne. We were probably like six or seven months into the pandemic and I was in like the worst mental space I'd been in a long time, which I think we all were. Um, But my husband pointed out, he's like, you know, you haven't been singing like at all. And I was still teaching voice lessons, you know, a few times a week through zoom, but I wasn't like just singing for me. And so I was like, you're right. What if I, anyway, so I would just, I just started like singing in the evening a little bit or in the morning and like after the first like real full practice session i was just elated <laughs> <Like> <laughs> i was feeling all of the positive endorphins that music and arts engagement bring and man that was that was a big reminder for me of like how how often as arts administrators or advocates sometimes we neglect ourselves <laughs> like wait a second we need to do this, too. That's why we're advocating. For
1: we're this. busy making sure everybody else is doing it. And then we're like, oh, yeah,
2: it's like, I well, try. it's embarrassing. I think yeah. I mean, listening to music would be right. Certainly. Yeah, listening totally. To music. And I, I think that's another thing that I, was, uh, I always sort of forget is, is to remind legislators who, again, are sort of questioning whether the public realm plays a role in, in supporting the arts is, you know, what what did you do to sustain yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. during the major, those three months, March, April, May, June, four months in there where we really didn't know, are we going outside? Are we going inside? We didn't know how the transmission, uh, you know, et cetera, in 2020, wherever 2020 went. But everybody, right? Every yep. single person is is taking, you know, they're listening to music, they're reading a book, they're watching television, they're doing something on their computer.
0: Look, we could not have made it through without Tiger King. Let's all be honest.
2: <laughs> right. So it's just, it, it's, it's, it's so vital. Um, and it's clearly taken for granted. Um, but you could not imagine what the world would have been like without this capacity to Again, music comes to mind, but it could be theater, it could be speech, it could be, you know, people playing, you know, on their front porches and or playing in their front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's that's those those are the memories and things that certainly stick with me. Yeah. Again, the images coming back to the, the Italian balconies and um singing your heart out. So mm-hmm. but a reminder when we're off the podcast, maybe I'll go get my cello out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just send us a picture when you
2: <laughs> I one. <laughs> I
1: have one final question for you, and this is the moment where you jump on YouTube if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, but can we talk about that peculiar little piece of artwork hanging behind you?
2: Can
1: you tell us the story behind that?
2: Well, actually, that is one of my sons. I think I remember which son it was in. (laughs) it's It's a little man, and it's kind of It looks like sort of modern art. Somebody thinks I paid oodles for it. Well, it is a it is a piece of of artwork, and it just happens to be color coordinated. It looks like it's a cutout, but it's actually so it's a little man um, that one of my children made many many years ago, and I just love it. It makes me smile.
0: (laughs) That's so lovely and like joyful. It's
2: (laughs) either
1: like the little devil on your shoulder,
2: like
0: creepy
1: angel, yeah. (laughs) It depends, right. or like, it depends on
2: which way I'm sitting yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which how, show can, how can people best connect with
1: you and if they if they want to get more involved or they have questions or
2: well, thank you. And I'd be remiss uh, my membership, my associate director and my also my membership uh, chair would be remiss if I didn't say that we are supported by memberships, um, by the art, artists and small businesses and individual artists that we work on behalf of. Uh, again, the resources that we allocate, we don't get them. They are for you. They are for the field and we do everything we can to increase them. We, our website is texansforthearts.com and you'll find a lot of information about including how to become a member there. Um, You can reach me at info at texansforthearts.com. We are seeking, you know, help. We're, we're looking all the time for, uh, I'm looking for me, for arts leaders and municipalities who want to get some help uh, looking for American Rescue Plan resources. We're always interested in hearing from members uh, what their issues are. We do Lots of communication strategies, so from regional meetings to newsletters to, again, um, the conversations around our weekly Wednesday. So texansforthearts.com, info at texansforthearts.com. And we also have a relatively new website called the hottoolkit.com, www.hottoolkit.com. It is everything you need to know about the hotel occupancy tax for those of you who do secure HOT resources um that's generously funded by the Houston endowment and a really important part of the work that we do which is to protect the state statute around the hotel occupancy tax and then to protect the up to 15% for the arts that may um that that is what we hope most communities maximize that for the arts so again those hot dollars do need to spend be spent and invested in the public realm so Programs that are funded in hospitals, which are not considered public realm, or clinic, right. are not going to be eligible. Not but if Yeah, but not qualified. Um, Same thing for arts in the school system. But if there are events that you do that are publicly accessible, those um, are fundable uh, by the hotel tax. So those are the primary resources, again, that we work on. So you'll yeah, and all
0: their communication is great, like the social media posts. Like, you you guys do a really good job with communication and making sure um, your stakeholders are informed Mm -hmm. about what's going on. And so highly recommend newsletters, social media. um, we love being Texans for the Arts members. Um, so, yeah, we love what you guys do. We really appreciate it.
2: Well, and we appreciate all the work that you're doing, too. And uh, and for giving voice in thr- through this podcast form format, um, as I said, every voice matters. It, it really does. And every legislator will tell you that as well. Mm.
1: Yeah. So. Love it. Anne S. Graham from Texans for the Arts. She's here advocating for the advocating of the arts. <laughs> and we appreciate you being here great thank you so much thank you make sure you go to heartsneedart.org and click on the podcast link for all the notes from today and then you can also learn how to connect with and so make sure you subscribe and watch us or listen to us every week thank you very much for listening or watching we'll see you next week keep creating everyone bye 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 thank
0: you Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseat Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition.